0: weather and science across the globe the weather jazz podcast the days may be getting longer now but there's still plenty of winter remaining hi this is Mackenzie Barr from foxy cleveland keep your pulse on the pesky arctic, arctic snacks, snacks, and snacks and winter storms right here on weather jazz Here's your host, the man who's always holding a big box of isobars, Andre Bernier! Hi everybody and happy Wednesday and welcome to Weather Jazz, a world audience podcast about anything and everything, weather, science, earth science, And even off topic episodes every once in a while. I'm your host and the creator of the Weather Jazz Podcast, Don Fred Bernier, and I'm the senior meteorologist on staff with WJW Television in Cleveland, Ohio. This is season three, episode number 22, and it's a snowy Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. Today's episode brought to you by Rise and Dine in Chesterland. Owners and operators, Frank and Terry Arco, always there, making sure that you are smiling, not only as you're waiting for breakfast, but also while you're eating it and on the way out. They are open Wednesday through Monday, closed on Tuesdays. Go pay them a visit, especially if you're hungry for breakfast or lunch. They will take care of you, and we'll see you there Sometimes periodically from time to time. Now, I mentioned it's a snowy Wednesday, at least here in northeast Ohio. It has moved in, but here's the deal. Temperatures are close to, if not above, freezing right now, and it's only a matter of time before we see the temperatures aloft A few thousand feet also go above freezing, and that will essentially change the snow to rain for a little while this afternoon. Now, a quick couple of inches, certainly a distinct possibility until that changeover occurs. And so until that occurs, a word of caution, especially if you're out and about and traveling, uh, take your time, especially on the secondary and the tertiary roads, untreated roads, bridges, on and off ramps that are surrounded by the air and have a better chance of seeing some of that slop accumulate. And there's nothing more slippery than wet snow. My son and I were talking about that uh, during the very early morning hours this morning just before he went to work. And uh, we both agree it is better to have a cold snow than a slushy near 32 or above 32 snowfall on the roadways because you add a little bit of water to that slop and slush and the coefficient of friction really goes down very, very quickly. And it can catch you off guard too. So pay attention out there until we see the roads completely get wet as opposed to that slop on the roadways. Well, before we get into today's topic, and that's Science Wednesday, we're starting that brand new series on our big blue marble. And it's a gorgeous place with a lot of truly fascinating places, some that we may never get to visit, but we at least can do so right here on this program. And so we're going to visit our first location in just a moment. Before we do that, I had a great email sent to me, weatherjazz at yahoo.com, and Al says, why? Why? Every time we watch your excellent weather report, that wind turbine is never moving. And what Al is making reference to is one of the webcams, the Great Lakes Science Center webcam that points towards Cleveland. The Science Center put up a wind turbine many, many years ago. And in recent years, it's never moving. And Al continues, that thing should be producing energy for some facility. What's up with that? And that is a terrific question. Now, earlier in season two, very early, I did address that. So that wind turbine has been stationary for some time and... A lot of people still have that same question that missed it, not only on Fox 8, but also right here on Weather Jazz. And so let me read you my reply back to him. Hi, Alp. I covered that answer a couple of years ago on my podcast, Weather Jazz, and even shared my findings on Fox 8. The bottom line is that a very critical part broke. And the company that used to make these wind turbines is no longer in business, and therefore, no extra parts are available. And it has become a glorified marker, sad but true. And so, if you too have been wondering why that wind turbine is never moving, except in super, super, super strong winds, you'll see it move a little bit in the time lapse, but obviously, it's not Performing its job, it's not generating the kind of electricity that it was intended to do decades ago. All because of a very important part that is simply no longer made. Well, it's Science Wednesday, and over the last couple of weeks, I have been asking you to tell me if there is a particular spot somewhere in our big, beautiful planet That interests you. Maybe it's a place on your bucket list. Perhaps it's a place you want to visit someday. Maybe it's a place you know you will never, ever visit, but you'd like to know more information about that location. Now, if you remember, in 2022, we took quite a tour through the solar system, and that was very interesting. We were visiting various planets and various large satellites all across the solar system. Well, this time we're going to keep it in our very own backyard. But in some cases, we may have to travel thousands and thousands of miles to get there. And in some cases, maybe several modes of transportation as well. Now, I do have something special planned for next week. And this will be a two-parter if I can pull this off. More on that coming up a little bit later. But our first stop today on this big blue marble is a place, well, which is literally right on the equator. Let me give you another hint. The equatorial line goes through a number of countries, major continents. We're not going to stop on any of them. So, what's left? Well, it's not the middle of the ocean, although this landmass mass, is kind of, sort of, surrounded by a lot of water. Naturally, we're talking about a group of islands, which is right on the equator. Now, there aren't too many islands, at least small ones, that are right on the equator or straddle the equator, like this group. It's a group of 21 islands, 18 of them are major. All right, have you figured out just exactly where we're going yet? Let me give you another hint. It is not in the Atlantic. It is in the Pacific. And that narrows it down just a little bit. It's just off of the coast of Ecuador in South America. And that group of islands, just in case you have not yet figured it out, is the Galapagos Islands. And that group of islands is about 490 miles to the west of Ecuador in South America. So let's talk about this group of islands. It is an archipelago, which is essentially a group of volcanic islands. And they're distributed on both sides of the equator. So we have some in the northern hemisphere and some in the southern hemisphere and some right on the equator. Now, many of you may recognize the name the Galapagos Islands because it is the spot where Charles Darwin did some studying, looking at various species of animals and plant life, etc. But this is not a study of his study on the subject, but rather it's much more geographical in nature. We'll discover what makes this group of islands so unique on our big blue Let's talk about, first of all, the principal language on the island. So, naturally, if it's habited, there's a language, right? According to the census in 2020, there are 33,042 people who live on the island chain. That works out to about eight people per square mile. Their principal language is Spanish. Now, as I mentioned before, the total number of islands is 21, but 18 of them are considered major islands. In other words, they comprise of more than one square kilometer of ground. The terrain is varied. It's volcanic in nature, so some of the peaks rise quite high. The tallest peak is at 5,600 feet, better known as Volcan Wolf. And for the longest time, as best as we can tell, these islands were uninhabited by people. That is, until recent history. 1535 is the year we go back to when the first recorded visit to the islands happened by chance. But as I have discussed before in many programs, is anything really ever by chance or is it by divine providence? Well, it doesn't matter. Let's talk about that first visit. It was when Fray Tomas, who was the Bishop of Panama, was surprised to find this undiscovered land on a voyage to Peru to actually arbitrate a dispute. But despite the fact that this group of islands was discovered in the 1500s, it appears as though these islands remained uninhabited. That is until the first known permanent human resident on the Galapagos happened to be somebody by the name of Patrick Watkins. He was an Irish sailor who actually was marooned there on the island of Floriana from 1807 until 1809. Now, according to later accounts, Watkins managed to survive by hunting, growing vegetables, and trading with visiting whalers. Before finally, well, get this, he stole an open boat and navigated to a nearby island where he finally was no longer marooned. Not long after that, in 1832, the newly independent Republic of Ecuador took the islands from Spanish ownership and subsequently gave them new Spanish names. We already discussed that there are 18 main islands, three smaller islands under one square kilometer, and 107 rocks and islets. Now, as best as we can tell, some of the older islands have actually disappeared below the sea level as they moved away from the mantle plume. It sits on this mantle plume so it is geographically active, and so we have a number of active volcanoes in the Galapagos chain. Now, some of the younger islands in the chain, which include Isabella and Fernandina, are still in the process of being formed. You see, back in April of 2009, lava from one of the volcanoes on the island of Fernandina started flowing both towards the island's shoreline and into the center of the caldera. And in late June of 2018, in more recent years... Sierra Negra, one of the five volcanoes on Isabella, and also one of the most active in the Galapagos, began erupting for the first time since 2005. And lava flows, in that case, made their way to the coastline, and that prompted the evacuation of about 50 nearby residents and restricting tourist access as well. Now, since this is weather jazz, I think we ought to talk about Weather on the Galapagos. Now, although the islands are located right on the equator and in the doldrums, which really indicates that there aren't too many trade winds that occur in that area. There are some local winds that do develop. But by and large, it's a pretty quiet zone. But, and at least up front, this may not be apparent, but... Geography, in other words, location on the globe, doesn't necessarily dictate what kind of weather or climate you will find in a particular location. There are a lot more variables that are involved. Now, even though the islands are located right on the equator, plus or minus just a little bit, the Humboldt current, that's the current of ocean water around the island chain, that brings cold water to them. And that causes frequent drizzles during most of the year, actually. And the weather is periodically influenced by El Nino events, which occur every three to seven years, as we all know. And that's characterized by warmer sea surface temperatures and a very slight increase in the sea level. During El Nino, slightly more wave action on the island chain, along with a depletion of nutrients in the water. That's what sends some of the fish out a lot lower, where the waters are a bit more nutrient-rich. Well, during the season that is known as Garura, and that's June through November, there's a steady cold wind that blows out of the south and southeast that brings frequent drizzle and low clouds and fog, almost reminiscent of what we would get in northeast Ohio in December, January, and February. Now, the warm season in the island chain is December to May. The average sea and air temperature rises about 5 to 10 degrees Fahrenheit, and there is practically no wind at all. That's, again, one of the characteristics of being in the doldrums. But because of the mixed terrain on the islands, you have a variety of climates. For instance, there is a mixture of both tropical savanna climate and semi-arid climate, dependent on just exactly what side of the island, where you are in reference to some of the higher mountain terrains on the islands, how big the island is, how much water there is around the island. There are so many variables that go into just exactly what kind of climate you're going to find on any one particular point of these islands. Now, overall, especially closer to some of the more populous areas of the island chain, The rainy season is actually going to be in February and March. And the dry season, August, September, October, and a little bit of early November. Temperature-wise, a bit more stable. Of course, altitude-dependent because the higher up you go, the slightly cooler it gets, even near the equator. Now, it is interesting to note as I wrap things up and taking a look at some of the climatological data there, are significant changes in precipitation from one year to the next. It depends on many variables, as you might expect and anticipate. Very, very similar to all of the variability that we receive here in northeast Ohio or anywhere in the continental United States. Now, for instance, let me give you an example. Charles Darwin Station, the precipitation during March of 1969 was recorded at 9.8 inches, almost 10 inches of rain. That's a lot. But the following March, March of 1970, they only saw 0.04 inches of rain. That's hardly enough to dot the windshield. There's a big difference between 10 inches of rain and just enough to dot the windshield in the same month of the year. And we will end on this note, since it does tie into the climate, and that is the vegetation of the islands. On the larger islands, the pattern of generally wet highlands and drier lowlands does affect the flora. Obviously, what can grow where? The vegetation in the highlands tends to be green and lush, and even some tropical woodlands in places, the lowland areas tend to have more arid and semi-arid vegetation, and that includes thorny shrubs and cacti and almost bare volcanic rock everywhere else. Quite a bit of variety, even in that cluster of 18 major islands, better known as the Galapagos. Well, that's just the first stop of many places we could take in this series of exploring the big blue marble, our planet Earth. Lots of interesting places with lots of diversity. And I hope you found today's exploration of the Galapagos Islands interesting, to say the least. Don't worry, we've got a ton of places that we will be heading to over the course of the next few weeks, months. Who knows? This may last well into 2023. And this is where I need your suggestions. Is there a bucket list destination for you? Or is there simply a place where you know you're never going to go, but you'd like more information about that location? This is the time to chime in. Get in touch with me, easy to do, at yahoo.com, Or you can leave me a voicemail on the Weather Jazz Podcast audience connect line 234-525-5888. Just go to weatherjazz.com, click on the Contacts tab at the very top, and you'll get all of those ways right at your fingertips that you can reach me, especially since maybe some of you are listening to this podcast while you're in your vehicle, car, or on a run, somewhere where you can't grab a pen and a pad and write all that down. Just go to weatherjazz.com, click on the Contacts tab at the top. Now, I am working on something very special for next week's edition, which may have to be split up into two parts, Um, one on a Wednesday and one on a Friday. That's what I'm thinking right now. I hope you're already getting very excited to tune into this special series as to where we will be heading next. Well, stay safe out there, especially in the Ohio Valley with that mixed wintry bag of precip causing some slip and slide and it's a little bit worse to the west than it is to the east but just about everywhere I think you're going to have to exercise caution out there today. Take care. In the meantime, we will see you on Open Line Friday, right here on Weather Jazz. Weather and science across the globe Across the globe Across the globe The Weather Jazz Podcast